This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods and learn the history and the people behind the events that you love across the state? Get to know the real Mississippi. Check out MPB Think Radio's Next Stop Mississippi podcast on all platforms or on the MPB public media app. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASE Certified Master Technician. I'm Lacey Alexander, filling in for the wonderful Jermaine Flood, who is out today. Coach Charlie, I'm sorry you don't get Jermaine this morning. Um, We are talking about some New Year maintenance resolutions. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Coach, did you have to tow anybody off the ice over the week? Well, first of all, we're glad to have you here this morning. Glad that you're taking Jermaine's place this morning. Thank you. But during all this cold, I was in Oxford, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and started Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday. It was just, instead of having six or eight inches of snow, we had six or eight inches of sleet. Right, which is worse. Well, I don't know if it was worse because it was like gravel being thrown out there on mm-hmm. the ground. Yeah. And I was able to drive through it. You know, I went and got my truck and drove my wife around the university and all that. And, and we had a good time. Well, there you go. But, you know, if you didn't have a four-wheel drive vehicle, you probably shouldn't have been driving in it. Because, no. like I say, anything I saw out there was four-wheel drive vehicles. That was the only ones out there driving. Mm-hmm. My mom my mom called me and said, do not leave. Your do home. not leave. You will slide, <laughs> slip and slide. Oh, man. And I felt so bad for those, you know, those guys that drive big old trucks for a living. There were videos of them sliding all over the place in my hometown. Like, those, you really, most cars are not built for that kind of traction, right? Well, my wife told me that yesterday afternoon or yesterday morning that there was 18 wheelers trying to go to Batesville on Highway 6, couldn't get up the hill, blocking Mm -hmm. the roads. You know, because what would happen is that that snow and that sleet melted, and yet it froze right back. But then when it froze, it was ice, Mm. and then you couldn't move. Mm -hmm. We passed a couple that had 18 wheelers that had frozen brakes, couldn't move. Oh, my gosh. That is terrifying. Yeah. Because Tuesday was when all of this went down. And then, you know, today's Thursday, and there's still some patches on the interstate that are still a little icy. I mean, it just hasn't had time to completely melt away. I'm sure later today when it gets in the 40s or 50s, it'll finally go off. But when it stuff's been sitting there for two days, ice has been sitting there for two days, that's when you know. It's a good thing I didn't drive Tuesday. I would have wrecked my little Chevy. Well, I think that gets us into our... Uh segment today is talking about New Year's resolutions on maintenance. The thing is, we talk about maintenance, we talk about different things all year long, but then it really, where the rubber hits the road is when you have a situation like this week. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had so many people call me. I had one guy call me and say, well, how do I unthaw my radiator? Mm. Well, what did he not do? He did not put coolant. I said, did you put coolant in the radiator? No, I didn't. Well, hopefully he didn't bust the radiator. Hope he didn't bust the engine because once all that water freezes, it has to come out somewhere. So hopefully that he didn't bust the radiator. Right. Liz Gill, it's funny you mentioned that. Liz Gill's talking about those little insulation strips that you put on the bottom of your doors. Right. It specifically says don't put them on if it's under a certain degree. So to you really, it's more preventive than anything else, both with your home and with cars like you were talking about. Well, we think about preventive maintenance. We're trying to prevent something from happening 
before it happens. Right. Okay. The military was really strong on preventive maintenance. They, that's all they talked. Well, you know, we as consumers, we as individuals should be wanting to do preventive maintenance on our car. Like I say, you never know when the weather's going to change in Mississippi. We're hot one day and we're cold the next day. I had another gentleman and when talking about, uh, maintenance, uh, he called me over his house. He says, well, my car is just making all this, uh, noise and I had to jiggle these wires under here to make it crank. Well, <laughs> When I went over there, I said, what wires you got to jiggle? Well, he didn't have to jiggle no wires. What it was is that his battery terminals were corroded. It was not making a connection. That's why it wouldn't crank. So we got it cranked up, and the next thing happened is that it was rattling. I said, cut the vehicle off. I checked his oil. had no oil in the engine. Oh, my God. Well, it only takes four quarts. He put three in there. So now, yeah, it's going to rattle. It's going to lock up. Once again, preventive maintenance. Checking these things before all this stuff happens. He was driving the Flintstones car. I mean, it had a little bit. (laughs) I thought it seemed like it was a a 1980 Toyota Corolla. Now, Toyotas (laughs) are strong, but I don't know if they're that strong. You know, Not strong enough. If you've got to jiggle the wires in any car to get it started, you need some maintenance. Well, he didn't really have to jiggle the wires. That's just what he thought because he didn't know that the battery terminals were corroded. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, doing he, he asked me, the first thing he told me, he says, well, you know, the oil change is due on the vehicle in about 40 or 50 miles. No, he said he was 40 miles over. Well, if you're 40 miles over, that's not a problem. The problem is you had no oil in your vehicle because either your oil leaked out or you was burning oil. Mm, hmm So, you know, Jermaine usually gives you some definitions in this first segment. That's and I, right. I have been instructed to define maintenance. Define it for I us. Hope, I hope Jermaine's listening. Here's my maintenance definition. It is a regular service, like you said, that is required for your vehicle while auto repairs are performed when your vehicle is not functioning properly. But you're saying that preventive maintenance is also important. Well, per, go ahead. Uh, preventive maintenance is the most important because you're trying to prevent something to happening down the road. Right. Okay. If it's changing your air filter, if it's checking your tires, if it's checking your coolant or anything, your belts and hoses, that's all preventive maintenance. Yeah, there you go. And our next definition is a New Year's resolution. Are you ready, Coach? It is a tradition in which a person resolves to continue good practices like preventive maintenance, change an undesired trait or behavior like waiting until the last minute to fix your car accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their behavior at the beginning of a calendar year. So if someone comes to you, coach, and says, I've got this kind of car, I'm having this kind of problems, and they say, what can I do better with my car this year in 2024? What New Year's resolutions are you suggesting to them? Better maintenance. That's the first thing. Better maintenance. Uh, Check your car out. Look at it. See what could be going wrong with your car. Have some checkups. That's right. If you're if you're just checking your oil every time that it needs uh, oil change, well, that's not preventive maintenance. Yeah. You need to check your oil at least once every couple of weeks at least if you know that it may be burning oil. Even if it's not burning oil, you need to check the oil. Okay, That way you know that you're not going to call me over there and you're not going to have no oil in it and I'm telling you why your vehicle's rattling. Right. Well, some cars, not all, but some cars will have a little indicator on it that tells you how much oil is left. 
Yeah, a lot of times it's not it's not telling you how much oil is left, and what it's doing is telling you how many miles you got left before that oil needs to be changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How much okay. clean oil is left? Well, not really clean oil. How much oil when the oil has to be changed by mileage? Most vehicles are, are right now are seventy five to thirteen thousand miles between oil changes. Now, if you're only checking your oil between. If you're not checking it between that 10,000 and 13,000 miles, well, it could be burning oil. So you could be low of oil. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that you pull that dipstick out, look at the dipstick, make sure you got enough oil in between oil changes. Yeah, because that oil will be nasty. Yeah, it does get nasty pretty quick. <laughs> just because, And, you know, I think a lot of people say, well, my oil is black. Well, you can almost put oil in it and run it just a few days. It's going to be black because according to what the engine it looks like on the inside, especially a diesel, you know, because you're not getting all the dirty oil out all the time. There will always be some in there that's mixing with the good oil. It changes the color, but that doesn't mean that the oil's not good. Well, there you go. Hey, how about before we take a break, we get one little uh, email question out of the way. Okay. Um, this is from David. He says, good morning. I received a recall on my 2016 Buick Enclave in June 2023. There's never been a resolution to the airbag issue. It could rupture when deployed. I called the dealer in NHTSA without a plan to repair the problem. I filed a complaint, which did not help. I've had no communication with Buick since I filed the complaint. Is there any other recourse to solve this problem? Problem. Thank you for what you do for the community. Well, you need to do on there. You need to call customer relationship for General Motors itself. That's there in Michigan. Call, go look in your owner's menu, call that number in the owner's menu that is called customer relations. They do not want bad relations. They do not want bad publicity. <laughs> right, right. You call them, they'll call the dealership, they will intervene for you, and they will get that solved if it can be solved. Okay, gotcha. All right, uh, Coach, we got our first caller on the line. This is Steve from Gaucher. He actually wants to talk about oil changes. Uh, Steve, you're on the air, brother. What's going on? Uh, oil changes, of course. Uh, look, uh, got a two-part question, uh, but lead into something. Back before, uh, I had all these commercials, you know, like, you know, change me or change you or whatever, way back then. Uh, we used to tell about changing oil, about a colored oil. It got dark right before they had the synthetic, okay? But a colored oil. Or if it was low, a lot of oil burns back then. The question I got is, I got a F-150 with a 2.7 turbo, and it recommends every 7,500 miles. But uh, I picked up on something here several weeks ago that turbos deteriorate the oil, uh, Quickly, more quickly than standard combustion uh, engines, and therefore they recommended you change a whole lot less than 7,500. So I've been watching mine uh, quite a bit, and it gets a little dark and about 3,500 miles on it. Uh, Coach, what do you recommend I change? Change it all? Of course, I'm looking at it. I, I got a hand every Saturday morning. Is uh, what do you recommend I do? Yeah, really on oil, if you start start to think about oil, it's not the days of the old Quaker State oil where it gummed up the engines. You know, you're looking at commercials like uh, where GTX motor oil, they drain all their oil out of the engine and sit there and run it and theirs would run longer. It's the difference of the 
additives they put in oil today. Okay, most recommended manufacturers recommend anywhere between 7,500 and 10,000 miles. And some of them as much as 12,000 miles before you change your oil. Once again, you need to determine if you're going, if how hard you drive that vehicle, is it going through dust? Is a lot of stop and go driving? That all changes when that oil should be changed. And a lot of times we don't look at that. We go, well, the light's going to come on. It's going to tell us to change your oil. Okay, that's what most people do. But on a vehicle like that, especially a turbo, and you're right because a turbo, you got to understand, a turbo runs off exhaust. And if there is exhaust leaking anywhere in the combustion chamber, it goes right down into the oil and it dilutes that oil and it contaminates it. So, yeah, you're right on that. You need to probably change your oil probably about every 5,000 miles in that vehicle, regardless how you drive it due to the turbos with the emissions going down into the crankcase. That sounds like a winner. Uh, I've done here with five. I think I'm thinking about five thousand, and I've worked out good. And one of those things I'll hang up. But uh, I changed. I talked talked to you several months ago. Uh, but oil smoke coming out early in the morning. I changed that left turbo tube. It, it took about it took several weeks for the oil completely went away. And also, I noticed my gas mileage on that turbo line was bad. Going down, I was used to get about 30, 40, 40 miles to take gas. I got down low as four from 330, 340. But now, if I'm not going on the boat, I'm getting about, last time I checked it, the other day, I got 448 miles to take gas. Yeah, I so think. Anyway, thanks for that advice a while back. Yeah. Okay? I will tell you, a lot of people understand, you know, with the turbo or any type of the emission system, what happens, it takes uh, oil and gas and carbon. It gets in those lines. It doesn't matter if it's on turbos or gasoline, and it stops them up, and it'll say insufficient EGR flow. And that insufficient EGR, EGR flow, what it does, it clogs those lines up. you got to take those lines off. you got to clean them so the exhaust and all can take and uh, get out of that engine or into the intake like it's supposed to. Yeah, they also recommended a change, though. I just think that I did, and uh, it didn't hope it burned off and apparently it did. You know, it cleaned the about a while before it cleaned itself out, but I'm gas mileage back the way it was when I got it on you, you know, and stuff like that. Hey, that's a good thing. That's what, that's what we want, better gas mileage, less money spent. I'll tell you what, Steve, thanks so much for your call. If you've got a question for Coach Charlie, send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? I'll let you know next. You're listening to Autocorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. The beautiful Jermaine Flood is out today, so y'all are stuck with me, Lacey Alexander, filling in. If you want even more Autocorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms on your smart device. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Now, as we usually do in this second segment, we want to talk about some recalls. Coach Charlie's got a recall to share with us, but the one that we have that we printed out here, uh, Ram will recall more than 600,000 heavy-duty pickup trucks to reprogram their emissions control systems after it was discovered that the trucks contained software that allowed them to emit more than the acceptable level of nitrogen oxide. Now, this recall applies to model level 2013-19 Ram 2500 and 3500 pickups with the available Cummins turbo diesel 6.7 liter six-cylinder engine. So if that if that applies to you, dear listener... Need to get that car checked out. Uh, Coach, educate me. 
what is this emissions control more than acceptable level of nitrogen oxide? Why is this important? Well, the government, the EPA, puts out regulations that a vehicle can only put out so much emissions, okay? Well, cars have EGR valves, they have PCV valves, they have different valves, and the computers themselves are set up to be most efficient in delivering the fuel, okay? More efficient we're delivering the fuel, better off the emissions are going to be. Well, if the manufacturer cannot reach that threshold that the EPA is saying, that's where it comes in that they might have done something wrong. Not saying they did, because, you know, they're all not, they're always innocent to proven guilty, even though they pay. (laughs) But anyway, what happens, so the threshold is there for the EPA, and what happens is that the, the computer is changed, where it is reading everything's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Really, it's not okay. We had this back uh, several years ago with Volkswagen, the same thing, that missions were not correct, but they went there and changed the software to make it where the check-in light didn't come on. Well, that same thing happened to Dodge. Mm. You know, and so they'll get that fixed up. Yeah. Is that like more of a little software fix, something you can do with a little chip in your car? What, what does that recall usually? How long would that take? Well, a lot of times they'll do it through the uh, – web they'll do it to the internet or they may do it just uh, going through it and just may have to come in but most of the time they're just going to do it from the manufacturer straight to the vehicle i got you now coach you've got a little bit of a a honda story something going on with your wife's car that's being recalled as well what's going on there yeah when we started talking about recalls i think we talked a little about recalls and you know we have more and more honda has them toyota has them this one here is on a 2023 hrv it is the pretensioner on the seatbelt. Mm. Okay, that it may not hold your body tight in a result of an accident. Oh, wow. So what happens, they go in there, they check the tensioner, they check and make sure it's good. Matter of fact, I'm taking it in tomorrow morning, and they will check that out for us. Gotcha. So the tensioner, for for me, tell me about cars, okay. is that thing that clicks whenever you jolt forward? That's what you're talking about? Right. When, okay. you, when you click your uh, seatbelt in, yes. okay, it has a tension. It doesn't let you go forward. And what they're, what they're thinking is may happen is that some of them are letting you move forward mm. in a case of an accident. Well, that just defeats the purpose of a seatbelt. That's right. Well, there you go. So you, it just sounds like you could have a lap belt and just keep on going. Right, right. <laughs> i tell you what, Coach, we've got another caller on the line. Wilma from Memphis is calling in. She says she's got some Prius cranking concerns. Wilma, good morning. What's going on today? Good morning. I have a 2019 Prius. It has not been driven since Saturday. And I'm wor- beginning to worry about whether it will start when all this snow melts and I can drive again. Well, once again, we're, matter of fact, we're going to have a battery uh, show in about three weeks. But this is going to be the problem. It's probably batteries during the summertime is when they start going bad. And in the wintertime is when they show their true colors. Uh, because temperatures go down, the battery, the vehicle needs more amperage to start. And if that battery has any flaws in it whatsoever, if a cell's bad, that uh, vehicle will not crank. But what you could do just to make sure, you know, I'm sure you have it in a garage. So if it's in a garage, you know, you're most likely you're going to be okay. If you haven't had no problems with it cranking before, that battery should be okay. But once again, cold weather takes a lot of the juice out of it. And I was just thinking uh, on the news, it just talked about EVs up in Chicago with all this extreme weather. Their batteries couldn't charge and they 
Matter of fact, they couldn't charge and they wouldn't hold a charge due to the temperature was so low and they couldn't get them up to heat. But that really don't bother us too much down here. A few days of cold weather, if the battery's good, you're okay. Okay. Well, it's not in the garage. It's, it's out on the driveway. Well, if that battery, if you haven't had no problem with that battery, you're going to be okay. Like I say, because usually a battery is going to give you a telltale sign. Uh, it'd be slow cranking, but yet if it's been cranking uh, good every since, you, you shouldn't have no problem. Yeah, I haven't had any. Okay, well, I'll stop worrying about it. Thank yeah, I think you'll be okay. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Well, there you go, man. You 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 talking? You love talking about them EVs, Coach. You gonna you gonna get get us in a fight on this show talking about them electric vehicles? Well, we're just putting out information so everybody can see. I know already that it's out there on the news today. Yeah, up in the, in Chicago, that was just one of those things that was on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but man, that's crazy that they like even the chargers wouldn't work if it was a certain degree outside. Right. Well, once again, preventive maintenance. Like I say, just even the battery. If it's if you have checked your battery before, and when we think about preventive maintenance on a battery, we need to talk about the battery terminal ends, the cable ends. Like I say, I went over there and had one. I checked it out and the terminals were all dirty. I cleaned the terminals, put it back together, and the guy's car cranked up. Well, there you go. See? The battery wasn't bad. I didn't need to shake a wire. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need to jiggle any wires under the car like wire. the Flintstones. That's right. <laughs> good stuff. That's a, that's a good segue into another email question we have, Coach. Um, so this is from Jennifer. She has a 2012 Honda Civic four-cylinder with about 251,000 miles on it. For about a month now, it's been hesitating when starting. She replaced the alternator for a bit. That seemed to fix it for a little while. But now that it's colder in the morning, she's still having issues starting the car. Uh, then recently it would not start at all. The battery was boosted um, and it started, so we replaced it. She seems to have done a little bit of trial and error with this car and its starting issues. Um, she's been reading that it possibly could be in need of a tune-up or some kind of faulty electrical problem. Uh, with this particular car, what advice would you give her about these starting issues? Well, we don't want to read too much into it. We don't want to start replacing parts because what happened, you replaced the alternator first, then you went to the battery, and now I'm sure the next thing you're going to do is go to the starter. You need to have somebody diagnose the vehicle, make sure before you start replacing parts, because let me give you a good story that happened this last weekend. A lady calls me on the phone, said her son put a new battery in the vehicle, and the battery didn't work. It needed an alternator. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Put alternator on the vehicle. They told me put alternator on it. Put alternator on it. Now this alternator was like four hundred and eighty dollars for an alternator. Jeez. And this is for a uh, this was a Honda. Okay. The dealer was five hundred and something. Okay. So the alternator was very expensive to put on this car. Yeah. Okay. Got it on there. Checked it. Took a multimeter. Checked it. All the voltage was fine. Okay. And then. After all did all that, her light came back on, but I found out what the problem was, the light. When her son uh, took it to the auto parts store, they put a battery in it, broke the wire going to the power sensor. Oh, Lord. And so now we got to get a pigtail put on it because the wire is broke. Got to splice it in. And then it's going to work correctly. Good Lord. Don't ever let me work on a car, Coach. Now, how I'll much cheaper of a fix is that? Sir, 
How much cheaper of a fix is that as opposed to the alternator? Uh, $25. That's what I was thinking. Like That that could have been so much easier. That's so unfortunate. But like I say, when we start throwing things at cars because they don't start, because, you know, the battery was, he said that once he puts a new battery in there, it didn't stay charged very long. So it did need an alternator. But in the process of putting the alternator on the battery in, the auto parts store broke the sensor, had to have a sensor. It was corroded, and then it needs a pigtail, you know. So you're talking about six or $700 to fix something that shouldn't have had to be fixed all the oh way. Oh, my Lord. That would happen to me if I tried to fix a car. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you right now about, like, how to drive. What is car? If I, had, if I had to do something like that, I would absolutely waste a bunch of money. Well, I would think that, once again, preventive maintenance, if you know what you're doing and— if you don't know what you're doing, have somebody look at your car that knows about the vehicle. You know, mm. don't don't just say, "My, I got a brother, and yeah. he's going to do it." Well, maybe he don't know what he's doing, or my dad don't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know, not saying people know everything, not saying I know everything, but you want to find somebody to check your car out to make sure everything's right as you before you drive. Yeah, there was a, there was a big sign at a shop in Birmingham for a while that said, uh, "We fix what your husband quote fixed." So yeah, totally understand that. And that's the way it goes. You know, it's, it's sometimes the individual that is looking at the vehicle don't know enough about the vehicle, so they destroy more of the vehicle than mm. it would have cost to fix in the first place. Mm-hmm. Woo. And that is an expensive mistake right yes. there. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about New Year's maintenance resolutions between your car repair questions. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's in the news. Why should you keep your key fob in a metal coffee can to prevent car theft, of course? How does it work? I'll tell you more next. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton High School's Automotive Technology Program, is our expert host. Filling in for Jermaine Flood is me, Lacey Alexander. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and contribute. Contributions to help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy. Thank you for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 with a replay Saturdays at 11. Now, before the break, I told you that we had a little bit of a news story. This was actually suggested by my friend Pam Pibus, who comes on the show for Fix It 101 on Wednesdays. Why should you keep your key fob in a metal coffee can? Well, to believe it or not, it's to prevent car theft. Uh, Top global cybersecurity experts are saying that it's like a really big threat right now that thieves can actually get the code from your key fob while it's sitting on a kitchen counter are hanging on the hook by the door, and they can use that code to get into your car. Have you ever heard of anything like this? Well, you know, when people hack in computers, that's really all it is. Somebody's hacking the computer of the car to get that key fob. Yeah, and so apparently if you keep it in like a little metal cage or a metal can, they can't get the code. It's like the metal is like a force field for that code. Like, it ain't going nowhere. Yeah, um, that is true. But most of the time, I don't know how many people are going by people's houses and doing that, but you have to be within a certain distance to get that code and all. Oh, wow. Because you can't uh, – well, it's just like Ford now. Even This is the way you could hack a vehicle. Ford can now let you crank your car from your phone. So wow. if Ford lets you crank your car from your phone – if somebody hacks your phone, now they can crank your car. 
But that don't mean they can take it yet because you have to have a key in order to turn everything on. To go. Right, right, right. It's like it's like my car. If you click three buttons, it'll start from a distance, right. but it ain't going nowhere until I put my key in. Right, it. right. So it's yeah. it's a situation so, like that. A lot of hacks going on out there. A lot of computer hacks, you know, going out there. And there's you'll hear a lot of different stories of how they hack into your computer in the car because the same way. Wow. Would that be with just like the newer fobs or older fobs that just like just have that little transmitter too? Would is that would that still be at a threat for that? Well, some of your key fobs are passive and some of them are not. Some of them are active, and it's according what type of key fob you have. You know. Okay, that makes sense. Interesting. So more convenient may not necessarily mean more secure, huh? A lot of times, no. Oh, gotcha. A lot of times it just, according to who's out there hacking those computers. You know, there was a story out there several years ago is that the Jeep Cherokee, as they were driving down the road, somebody had hacked their computer while they were driving and took over the steering of the vehicle. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. That's that's and crazy. cars were veering off to the side of the road and all because somebody had hacked the computers and changed the software. New irrational fear unlocked. That is some Final Destination stuff. That's that is right. terrifying. I think we bring up that series of movies just about every week. Yeah. On this show. <laughs> right. right. I think it's even going to get worse with AI uh, because mm. the, the algorithms and all how they're going to get in there and you know change things around. Cool. So I'm going to ride a bike everywhere. That sounds like the plan since people are hacking cars now. Make sure it's not an electric bike. Yeah, right. No mopeds. No mopeds. Coach, you also wanted to touch on, it's it's a little too cold for a bike, which is a good segue into something else you wanted to touch on. Uh, while we're talking about maintenance, a New Year resolution maintenance, you said that in, in this cold weather, it's good to talk about like windshields and windshield wipers and stuff like that. Talk to me a little bit about that maintenance that you want people to know Yeah, about. you want to make sure if you got ice on your vehicle, there's certain ways that you should get the ice off your vehicle and certain ways that you should not. Whatever you do, the first thing, do not pour hot water on your windshield. Mm. If you pour hot water on your windshield, it could crack that windshield. If you have a small chip in it, it could crack it, or it could crack it anyway because of the that's drastic change in temperatures. Huh. So you want to be very careful about that. Homemade remedies where people say, well, put vinegar in water. Well, you might want to not spray that on your windshields because – According to what the windshield's made out of, it could put craters in it. It could mm. damage the windshield itself. The wipers themselves, you don't want to take and bang the wipers up against the windshield because they got ice on them. They could crack the windshield. You know, uh, one of the good things you can do if you're outside, just raise your windshield wipers up where the ice and all is not uh, on them and they're not frozen to the windshield. Just raise your windshield wipers up. And hold them in the, they'll hold in the air. Wow. And that'll keep the rain and they won't freeze. And the last thing is how you should unthaw your windshield, crank your vehicle up, cut the defroster on high, and let it melt the ice. And don't do anything else. Don't do anything else. You will not damage the windshield that way. Yeah. You know, windshields on these newer vehicles are very expensive, uh, so you want to be very careful not to crack them. Yeah. They, I got two little—they started as two little punctures in my windshield from rocks flying on right. the road, and now the cracks have gone all, all across. across. Yeah, right. So does this cold weather make that worse? Yeah, that cold weather, like say, they contract and expand, and you put hot water on them, that crack will go all the way across. So you oh, want to be wow. very careful. 
Okay, gotcha. And so I'm assuming, you know, some, I guess all cars really have that spray that you can put on the windshield. You uh, guess you shouldn't do that. Well, while a lot cold. of times that freezes. Mm. And then when you when you spray it, the windshield wipers start moving. Yeah. And you don't want to use the windshield wipers to remove that ice or snow because now it's tearing your windshield wipers up. Yeah. The rubber that's on them. So you want to make sure that let the defroster thaw it out. And then you can see and drive. I got to say, I really love these like home remedies for defrosting your windshield because like, you know, NEM thought about something that the engineers at, at Nissan and Ford did not think about. Yeah, right, they right. had no idea it was something that NEM thought. Right. Exactly. Well, also, you know, I woke up 10 minutes late. I'm late for work. I got to get in the car. I can't wait for this thing to defrost. Let me just soak it in stove water, I right. guess. So that means that you got to get up a little early, yeah. crank the vehicle up, make sure it's not somewhere where they're going to steal your car. Just crank it up. If you're in a garage, open the garage door. Make sure the exhaust is going out. And then just let it warm up. Well, let me ask you this. While we're on the subject, what is a good indicator that it is time to change the wipers on your windshield? Well, that's a good uh, question because a lot of times people let them go all the way down to the metal and you start scraping your windshield. Mm. You need to go out there. If it's not a clean sweep going across you need to change the windshield wipers. So if it sounds like rubber scrubbing across, you, you need to change. You need to change it. Yeah. And it's just the same thing. If you're doing regular maintenance, you go out there and look at it, if the rubber's falling apart on your windshield wipers, if it's stringy, if it, you take your hand across of it and all the black stuff comes on your fingers, you need to change the windshield wipers. Right. Is that something you can do yourself? You can do that yourself. And you can go to any auto parts store and they will replace those free. But you just need to make sure they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's what gets me in this young days of people that work at automotive shops and not really automotive shops or parts stores, uh, a lot of them really don't know what they're doing mm. and they damage your car more than they fix it sometime because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, the, you got a young lady or a young man that's never done it before. Well, it's trial and error, you know, mm. so. And you're the error. That's right. So you <laughs> want to make sure that they know what they're doing and you know what you're doing to get it taken care of. Well, even even the auto store kids that don't know what they're doing probably know more than I do, so. Well, yeah, they use that computer. Oh, that's that, right. That's, that's right. They got Google. They know. They can help me out real quick as a windshield wiper. Well, you know, in the old days, and I'm going to say several years ago, that the people that were running auto parts stores, mm-hmm. if you had a Chevrolet with a 350 and you had a GMC with a 350 and it took the exact same part, guess what? They would give you the one for the GMC because it fit a Chevrolet. Today, if you had a Chevrolet and you wanted the part, they wouldn't know to go look at the GMC and give you the same part, <laughs> you know, because they're made by the same manufacturer. Yeah, right. So. Fascinating. Computers, well, computers, computers. Coach, I'm just going to call you from now on. I don't yeah. trust no computer. That'll be okay. <laughs> well, before we take our break, let me ask you this, Coach. We've talked about windshield wipers. We've talked about windshields, keeping those windshields clean when the snow is out. Um, you know, like I told you, my windshield has got a bunch of cracks in it. They've gone across the way. And my parents have talked about, well, maybe it's time for a new windshield. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to replace that windshield, and it's just going to get cracked again. So what is, is the, am I in any danger by having a a few cracks in my windshield like is it time to replace it or can i wait till i get cracked three and four well when mississippi was doing the inspection stickers as long as the windshield was not cracked in front of your view mm. okay you was okay but once a windshield gets all these cracks in it you need to go ahead and replace it because it does distort your view 
Yeah. You know, I've seen somebody write it down where a uh, baseball had cracked their windshield and put a big old splatter in it, and they were just driving down the road. The right side was splattered, and they were just driving. You know, so you need to change your windshield. Uh, I hate to tell you, on Mississippi roads, we are going to get pecks, and yes. we are going to crack them again. Yes. But get some insurance that replaces windshields. There you go. Any any preventive stuff you can do for that. There's not anything preventive. All you can do is not drive where the rocks are. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, then. So no, no, yeah, nothing right. preventive. Nothing in preventive Thoughts whatsoever. and prayers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, hey, I hate it if you got a brand new vehicle, you just got a windshield put in it, and then you're driving down the road. Next thing you know, a rock pops up. And breaks that windshield, puts a uh, starburst in there. I go, wow! Mm-hmm. I just replaced the mm-hmm. windshield, and yeah. then you say a bunch of words you can't say on the radio. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so my question about the windshields is, like, these newer windshields are they made of something different than like older ones? Because like I have several pecks in my windshield, but not a single crack has formed across it. Whereas my wife has a 2022, and it has a peck, and then the crack formed all the way across the windshield. It just didn't hit that other vehicle hard enough. Uh, is that all That's it all is? It, is. <laughs> it just didn't hit it hard enough and make it crack. Because once you get a small crack, it's going to run. All right. Well, that makes sense. So that's what Safe Light says. Hey, you can go repair that crack. And all they do is they put resin in that uh, where the little starburst is. They put resin in it so it don't run. All right. Well, Lacey, I think our uh, experience is showing in this episode. Yeah, this it hour. definitely <laughs> is. All right. I tell you what. Today, we're discussing New Year maintenance resolutions, taking your repair questions. You can also send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We're also going to get Coach Charlie's tip of the week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. The Subaru Outback has a long reputation for being a really good value, being very capable, and also being a very nice car to drive. But some people might want something a little bit more luxurious than a base Outback. For them, we have the 2024 Outback Touring Edition. This really is the luxury version. It has the 18-inch wheels on the outside, satin finishes on all the trim. But inside, you've got the Napa Brown leather seats. You've got the lower cushion extension on the driver's side. Heated and ventilated seats up front. Heated seats in the rear. The Harman Kardon audio system and all the crash avoidance systems. It really is a luxury vehicle inside. And underneath the hood, plenty of power, too. A 2.4-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine delivers 260 horsepower and 277 pound-feet of torque. It'll do 0 to 60 in under 6 seconds. Fuel economy, pretty good. 22 miles per gallon in the city, 29 on the highway. And it still handles like a nice mid-size sedan. Pricing, really good, too. The Outback starts under $29,000. This one all in, $42,795. See the full video on his YouTube channel. Auto Casey and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Of course, you can hear us now Thursdays at 10, but we also have a replay Saturdays at 11. While we were on our break, we had a few callers come in to want to talk to us. Ferdinand in Clinton, you've got a cold weather car situation. Uh, You're on the air, man. What's going on? Oh, good morning, guys. Good uh, morning. Big fan of you, Coach, and big fan of the program as well. It happens that I commute during y'all's show, so I, I hear y'all every day that I can. Well, thank you. Uh, awesome. My, <laughs> my question is, yes, I have um, a Hyundai Sonata 2018, uh, the normal SE version, uh, basic model. And yesterday I was trying to get my wife to work, but, you know, it was, 
20 degrees or so. I tried to crank it, and it would uh, start doing the cranking noise, and then it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't crank. Um, and and uh, my question is, should I keep trying, like even helping it with, uh, you know, my car's battery and connect it with the wires, or you know, just leave it till uh, it gets warmer? Well, what I would do in that situation, I'd go out there and check the battery cables and make sure they're not corroded because that's usually what it happens when it tries to crank, but it don't crank. Check those battery connections, make sure they're clean, take them off, put them back on, and see if it cranks then. And if it doesn't crank then, go have the battery checked. I, I you know, I tried it later on, and it cranked right up. Like, it did crank, and I, I checked the battery uh Extremity is to see if it was corroded or something like that. The car is it barely has fifty thousand miles on it. We just strictly use it for commute. Yeah, I would check uh, that. Just, I would check that battery and just make sure that is. It sounds like as it warms up, the battery gets stronger. So you might want to just check that battery, and make sure it's not going bad completely on you. Okay, yeah, it's never been changed since the car was purchased. So yeah, check, have, go to the auto parts store, have them check it, make sure you're good. All right. I appreciate you. Big fan. Thank you very Thank you. much. Yes, Y'all sir. have a great day. Thank you, Ferdinand. You have a good one. Let's stay on the lines. We've got Bill from Jackson. He's hanging on here. He has a 2009 Highlander starting issue. Uh, Bill, you're on the air, man. What's going on? Uh, what happened was uh, the battery went all the way down, and then I charged the battery up, and then I tried to start it, and it says, uh, key not detected. My okay. It's a push start. Okay, and so it, and it's not lighting up like it's usually light up. So it didn't detect the, detect the uh, key after you put after you recharge the battery, right? Right. Okay. A lot right. of a lot of times uh, these vehicles, what they'll do, you put a new battery in it. A lot of times they have to relearn. Uh, your key had to relearn how it drives. All your lights may come on the dash and everything else because you put a new battery in it. So you might want to check and make sure that you didn't do anything to that battery when you recharged it. Because if you had to recharge the battery, that means that maybe that battery was bad where it couldn't take a charge. It ain't got enough amperage to turn that engine. Because really, you could have 12 volts in it, but that doesn't mean it has enough amperage to turn that engine over. Okay, but what about the key not found, though? Well, that's what I'm saying. Once again, if it doesn't have enough power in that battery, it's not going to read that key. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Quick and easy there, Coach. We got one more caller on the line. You are popular today. Uh, This is John, Michigan, by way of Foley, Alabama. Uh, John has some questions about defrosting a windshield. John, you're on the air, man. What's going on this morning? Oh, not questions. Uh, Just just a little bit of advice regarding windshield. That's okay. Uh, I've been driving. I've been driving for over thirty years. I've got a little bit of experience. So uh, about five, uh, close to five and a half million miles under my belt. Ooh. So, um, so there's a couple tricks that we use up in the north. Um, so you can use isopropyl alcohol, which doesn't. I mean, I don't know that it doesn't absolutely damage anything, but I've never personally seen it damage the windshield, the windshield wipers, uh, or any other uh, components around the windshield. But I'll buy one of the bottles of isopropyl. In fact, I've got probably four bottles in my side box right now. If the ice gets a little on there, you can spray that up there. Just squeeze the bottle, you know, because it's usually got a little uh, tiny hole when you open it up. Anyways, 
you can use isopropyl to uh, take off light frost and sometimes a little bit heavier stuff. Another trick, if you ever get ice, which, you know, down there, I live down in Foley now, uh, but, so we don't typically get a whole lot of ice down there. Y'all don't get a whole lot of ice, but if you ever get an ice storm and you got everything covered in ice, what you can do is get like a one-gallon Ziploc bag. You got to be careful. Don't let it pop. Get water that's hot enough to where you can put your hand in it, but not, you know, about as far as you can stand it. Put it into the Ziploc bag, and if you just set it down on the windshield and move it across on the ice, it'll it'll help melt that ice. I don't use it on just light frost, because light frost, I just use my defrosters for that, um, or isopropyl alcohol. Yeah, and, the thing, uh, the last thing... Go ahead, go I'm, ahead sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to tell you, on the alcohol, you could use the... Um, chemicals that they put into the sprayer and you could spray that on the windshield as well and that will dissolve yeah. that ice because really that does have alcohol in it. Right. Well, one of the things that I told my wife, so uh, if, if y'all are ever going to get freezing weather and uh, you guys don't get it, it doesn't get cold enough down there to freeze your... Uh, my wife came up to Michigan during the Christmas season and I had warned her because we've lived down there so long now that she forgot. I warned her to make sure she used up all of the washer fluid before she went north and then wait until she got further north where she could buy washer fluid that's rated down below zero. Right. Otherwise, it's going to freeze in the line. Well, she forgot and it froze and she couldn't, she couldn't use it. But uh, the last point was uh, for stone chips. As a truck driver, one of the biggest things I see is people tailgating. Yes. The biggest thing that's going to get your windshield cracked is being too close to the vehicle ahead of you. That happens every single time. I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, when your windshield, like mine, will cost close to $1,000 to have it replaced, you tend to start leaving a little bit more distance. <laughs> that's right. That keeps that those gravel from coming up hitting that car. That's true. All right, John, thanks so much, man, for giving us your tips. Speaking of tips, Coach Charlie, real quick, give us your tip of the week. Once again, just make sure, you know, it's cold out there. Make sure that coolant is, you got coolant in the vehicle. And we say coolant, that is a mixture between antifreeze and water. Make sure it's a 50 50 uh, concentrate and make sure you got it in there before it's too late. All right, and that will wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our show engineer is Abram Nanny. Our call screener is Charles Arnold. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, and Jermaine Flood, I'm Lacey Alexander. Thanks so much for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.